0: Good afternoon, you're on the panel, RNZ National, Sarah Sparks and Peter Dunn with me today. Now, just some uh, traffic, road snowfall warnings have been issued for uh, State Highway 7 and 73 passes overnight, uh, tonight and tomorrow. Remember to switch on your headlights, increase your following distances and be prepared for unexpected hazards. First to this, a large North Island GP network has been hit by a cyber attack with patient details potentially compromised. It's compromised patient details kept by a large Waikato and Bay of Plenty Health provider, Pinnacle. And the company said the affected IT was immediately taken offline and contained. And a free phone support line is expected to be set up for people wanting further information. With us right now is Craig Young, the CEO of Tuins. Uh, kia ora, Craig.
1: Yeah, kia ora, Wallace.
0: So, yet another cyber attack. Last year, Waikato DHB was the subject of an attack by hackers. Uh, what do you make of this latest one?
1: Oh, well, it's, it's not surprising. I mean, we've seen a, a rise in these sorts of attacks over the last 12, 24 months, and it just shows that again in New Zealand, we're not, we're not um, hidden away, we can't lock our borders down, we can't do the COVID thing, we're, we're open to the world, and these people are going to try and get in here. So um, I'm certainly not surprised.
0: Medical entities uh, particularly a target?
1: Well, I think there's two things here. One is more and more of our medical records we want to have online because we want them to be available to the medical specialist who's dealing with us. So you know we're going to be giving those sorts of things over. Um but secondly, you know unfortunately, uh, medical records are often held by organisations that are and now this may not be the case for clinical, obviously, but you know cash is tight. Things, things. You know, we want to spend money on looking after our health, and sometimes maybe IT systems go down the uh, the list a little bit. And um, this may, of course, not be the case at Pinnacle, but that is the, you know, the environment we live in.
0: Certainly, concerns, there. Look, I can recall the days um, having extensive uh, dealings with health. Um, they bring bringing up the old brown file. And all your records were on that. One wonders whether we should go back to that.
2: Well, ah. we, we are really vulnerable, aren't we? You know, on, uh, um, I can see the, the migration across to more things IT, but, you know, it, at the same time, this exposes our vulnerabilities. And I do wonder whether we're losing ground. And I don't just mean in terms of the context of Aotearoa, but, you know, I was looking at cybersecurity Census reports online and what was happening internationally. You know, it's a huge uh, issue. Well,
0: do you want to speak to that, Craig, before Peter Johnson? Because you put out a report in June. We lag far behind in cybersecurity,
1: 56th mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah, that's true. That's right. I mean, and I think you're right, though, that, you know, we are. We are not keeping up with the rest of the world. But then the rest of the world is facing this as well. I mean, you only have to look over for the Tasman to the big um, Optus breach last week, 10 million customer records uh, that were Mm. um, downloaded. So, you know, that's a huge um, data breach. So, um, you know, we're not immune to it, but if we want to be a digital leader in the world and and punch above our weight, then this is one of the areas that we're going to have to do quite a lot of work on to catch up, but then also to get ahead.
3: Peter. Craig, Craig, I'm just wondering who the the major risk is here. Is it the companies who are being hacked? Is it their material that's a, a, a great danger? Or is it individuals whose records are being uh, purloined? Um, what's happening to those records? Should I be, as if I was one who was hacked, personally, should I be worried?
1: Uh, yes. And no, mm. <laughs> yes, you should be worried because I think you know as more goes online, as we you know distributed workforces, mm. as we hand more information over, there are things you can do to to help look after that. For example, a very simple thing I do: I don't use my normal email account for when I'm subscribing to newsletters or buying online. I have a I have a dummy email account that I use for those sorts of things.
3: Um,
1: I have a, a separate credit card that I can use for online. So there are some
3: steps mm. you can take as individuals. Oh, that's individuals. interesting. Mm. Mm. But what's, um, happening, also, what's, ha- what's happening to the information, the personal information that's being stolen? Is it just being stolen as a sort of a poke in the eye to the big companies, or is that actually being used maliciously against those individuals?
1: It's being done in both, both ways. One of is to show that... The hacker is clever. Mm. But then they do sell um, the records individually. You can go on the dark web and buy um, credit card numbers, for example, to be used nefariously. So, um, you know, Peter, you are right. It, it is a double-edged sword, unfortunately.
0: Just finally, Health Ministry announced $75 million last year to plug cyber security gaps. Enough?
1: I don't think it's ever enough, actually. because mm. It's, it's going to be one of those races to the, to the top, to the bottom, whatever it is, it's going uh, to be a long time. We've got to keep going at it.
0: All right. Kyoto Craig. That's Craig Young, the CEO of and there. Well, uh, other health issues. Health Minister Andrew Little announced late this morning the government will top up the salaries of new GP registrars to bring them in line with hospital counterparts. Junior GPs could get up too. 23% more. It was reported uh, earlier today that the length of time people wait to see a health professional is blowing out and more people may end up in hospital as a result. You're talking about up to six weeks here. Uh, also announced uh, the setup of a one-stop international recruitment service within Te Order Health NZ. With us is Dr. Samantha Morton, the President of the Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners. Kia ora, Dr. Morton. Kia ora. So, poorer pays for GPs. This would be the biggest barrier to young doctors going into general practice. So how do you take this announcement today?
4: Oh, it's great to see that we have levelled the playing field for registrars who are coming into the general practice specialty compared to their other specialty colleagues. So it's excellent news. It means that we do have a system where people don't have to take a drop in their pay or put money on their mortgage to be able to do their training.
5: More doctors
0: moving to New Zealand. That's also what the minister what the minister wants. Are we attracting them?
4: I think we do, but the thing about that is that in New Zealand we rely on a lot of overseas doctors already and as an international part of the community we should really be training our own and not relying on other people's doctors that they've trained so over time we need to be growing our own and that would be the biggest thing that we could do to change how that reliance is
0: all right sarah pay powder junior gp's getting up to 23 percent more is it uh, money well spent what's your thoughts
2: Absolutely, and also I'd like to see more Māori doctors in the system, and um, which is really important given the data uh, of Māori. Um, so we need more of that as well. And I, you know, it's an end end for me. We need uh, incoming doctors from offshore. We need to train our own, and particularly tangata whenua doctors. Samantha. Yeah, I, th- I absolutely agree. The
4: Kids that I have in my practice who I'm trying to encourage to be doctors, and especially my Maori and Pacific um, young people, I, I know that they will go through and they'll struggle because they'll be helping to pay for their Fano and helping to do other things. And then, then when they get through training, they may not see the community that they've come from because they won't be actually out learning in that community. And we need to change all of that but having some pay parity or equivalence for them, it just means that they don't have to go like, oh, if I do surgery, I'll get more money and I'll be able to do it better. For oh, my right. Yeah. Yeah, and I those understand. Sort of yeah. mm-hmm.
3: OK, Peter. Well, I must declare a slight conflict of interest in that I'm the chair of a local PHO. But, but I must say <laughs> that from the point of view of attracting people into general practice, I think this is a very positive mm-hmm. move. Um, I want to be clear, though, that this is not the first step towards putting all general practitioners onto a salary. I'm assuming this is purely for the the period of training until they, they, they reach their qualification within the, the college so that they can then go on and, and practice properly as GPs. Is that correct?
4: Yeah. yeah. So for the training program, the first year of their training, they are employed by the college, mm. and that employment model has been around for about five years only. The employment beyond that depends on the registrar, and it's not college employment. It's either with a PHO Um, or with a um, practice or someone else. um, So um, it is just for the first year of the the training.
3: Because I know at the moment um, that the stress and strain that that GPs are under, um, it's not just the COVID but it's the whole flow on from COVID. The, um, some of the mental health issues that are becoming more prevalent, for instance, people going to the doctor, the GP, to seek mental health interventions, plus all the other things coming at the end of the winter season. So I think that this is a really timely move, and hopefully uh, it can start to pay dividends fairly quickly.
0: And you've um, you, you've stressed that as well, Samantha, because you've, I think you mentioned that they need to be valued for their mahi more because they really feel overworked and they're not... Um, feeling the love, as they say. Yeah.
4: yeah, I think it's just the fact that the, the role is so complex mm. and you're doing mm. lots and lots of stuff that's supporting the community and you feel like you're doing all this work and no one's noticing. And so this is people going like, oh yeah, we do notice and we think that you are valuable and we're going to put you at a foundational level that says you're as valuable as any other registrar and then that should flow through. And like this yeah. is... A first step in many steps that need to go on to change the workload, make it much more doable, and also value it a lot more.
0: Very good. That's uh, Dr. Samantha Merton there, uh, President of the Royal NZ College of GPs. I've got to say around the panel on this one, I have, and I'd love to hear from listeners, do you have a really solid GP? Do you have a good GP? Do do they have your back? Because I've got to say right here, should I mention the name? Maybe I won't, but I've just got a marvellous... GP, a person who's really had my back for 20 years, you know, and mm. when I was sick with COVID, um, he, he rang me and we had a long chat and he, he said to me, how are you feeling mentally? How, how's, your, how's your head in all this? It almost brought me to tears mm. just because I just felt he was really caring. It was quite extraordinary.
3: Look, I think we've got an extraordinary collection of GPs, and I think one of the the really big things about this is that for too long, general practice has sort of been seen as less exciting than surgery or some other speciality. It's a speciality in its own right, and we need to be getting the best people, best qualified people, into that speciality. So this is really, I think, a good step forward.
0: Twenty pass for the panel. Sarah Sparks and Peter Dunn with me today. And... Are you still contributing to your KiwiSaver account? Many aren't. As the economic situation continues, continues to tighten, the Financial Markets Authority annual KiwiSaver report shows investment returns had declined by about 90% to about 1.3 billion dollars. Also, a big spike in the number of money, uh, the amount of money being withdrawn by over 65s in the past year. But overall, the picture was better, with the report finding uh, under new management it grew by 10% to 89. Point seven billion billion. So Martin Hawes is a financial author and former financial advisor with uh, decades of experience. Now the nature of this discussion is general. It's not financial advice. Kia ora Martin. Kia
5: kia ora uh, Wallace and uh, Sarah and Peter.
0: Good on you Martin. Martin. And that that, that issue of are you still contributing to your KiwiSaver account? You'd be forgiven for, um, uh, for feeling that Many might not be.
5: I look. I understand when people don't do it, but I do start yelling at them quite loudly. Actually, when they stop, because it makes no sense to be uh, making contributions into investment markets when they are highly valued, but then not do it when they are uh, more lonely valued. And you know, if you want to have get make the most of TVSinger, you really should be treating this as an opportunity. Not something to be frightened of. It's actually something to be putting more money than you were into. And the other thing, um, the other thing, I was fucking just just saying, yeah, is that don't for goodness sake change your risk settings on your fund at the moment. You're kidding because me. No, because if you go from let's say a growth fund to a balance fund, what you're effectively doing is giving instructions to your KiwiSaver manager to sell some shares on your behalf, which means that you are selling right into this weakness. And actually, you should be using this time to buy cheap shares, to buy cheap businesses, basically, because you know that's what shares are—that shares in, in the business. So you need well, to be really taking advantage of it.
0: That is interesting. I never would have thought that. Uh, st- uh, st- stay the course, uh, no matter how tough, Sarah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it is about having maturity and resilience and um, holding your nerve, really. And you just got to trust that what goes around comes around. You just got to ride it. <laughs>
5: yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> one, one of the things I would say look, if you're you feeling really, really, really uncomfortable at the moment, then I suggest you hold on to the, your level of risk at the moment, so you stay in that growth fund and mm. that balance fund. But when the markets do settle down again, then you might have another look at it. And remembering what you felt like uh, during that, this time of high, high volatility, then you might actually lower risk. But don't do it at the moment because you're mm. selling mm. shares into weakness. Mm. Mm. Oh, well, that's interesting,
0: Peter.
3: Look, I'm with Martin on that. I think he's absolutely right, and I think it's very sage advice for a lot of people who will be feeling a little bit uh, panicked by what's Mm -hmm. happening, looking at their balances coming down. But you've got to take the long view here. KiwiSaver is not just another bank account. KiwiSaver is saving for your future, for your retirement, and I've always been of the view that it should be very hard to get out of for that very reason. You Mm -hmm. need to lock that money away, and consequently Mm -hmm. you've got to look at your contributions, not just this month, next month, or even six months, but over the long term and over time, obviously, as markets um, wax and wane, you'll end up on the right side. And oh, my goodness. And you but, you're
0: locking, but, 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 but you're also locking people out of getting themselves out of a tight situation their own, with their own money. Yeah, but all That's you're, what all, you're doing. All
3: you're doing is, is if, you, if you take two lakhs of you now, when those people reach 65-plus – they're going to have very little, apart mm. from New Zealand superannuation, which is not a living wage, to be able to get through their retirement on. So I think it is a matter of discipline. It's hard, I know, but I think it is a matter of people mm. staying the course. Stay there, Martin. What you, do you what do? do What you make of that?
2: No, I, I totally agree. Discipline for a saving for a rainy day. You know, farmer's daughter here, you always prepare for when, this, when the, the season's bad. or And, you know, we want to encourage people to be looking after themselves well, scenario, when they're older. I've got
0: a dental bill. I got a dental bill. I need I need five grand really quick because I haven't been going to the dentist and I've got um, a, a, a huge issue. I can't even access my Kiwisaver account.
2: Well, it might be about substitution. It could be about liquidating something, making some other choices. You know, being creative.
5: Mm. Martin, Sarah, one of the things I really find is that farmers make some of the best investors <laughs> because they. Um, they 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 know what the mark you know they they know what markets are they know that they go up they know, know that they uh, they go no down. down yes so the, my mantra in in investment is buy and gloom mm. and sell and boom oh. most people do the opposite they get caught up in the emotion of the market and so they end up buying when the markets are high that's they're buying and boom. And they end up, oh. like, when we get times like this, so they sell and gloom. Right. So you must remember that, buy and boom, buy and gloom to sell and boom.
0: Say so that again, I couldn't quite hear you. What's the, what's the phrase again?
5: Buy and gloom. So you buy when things are gloomy. Buy and gloom? Yep, Baron, Rath- yeah, Baron Rath- Rothschild said that you buy when there's blood in the streets. <laughs> All right, okay. Like feeling, it's very so visceral. You buy when things are gloomy. <laughs> very um, good what, what, what to you sell when they're booming
0: we got it Kia ora, Martin that's Martin Hawes there uh, former financial advisor there um, my GP is terrific she got me through cancer and stopped me going over the line into diabetes she stood between me and death more than once her name's Marilyn um, quite a few I have an excellent sole practice GP who got my mum to 99 says uh, Brian Uh, My GP is wonderful, very kind, thoughtful, has very diverse patients and staff, and... Um, if we're ill, there is no waiting. Twenty-six past four. The panel, lovely to have your company today. Now, on a fr- on Friday, new speaker Adrian Ruafe embarked on his speaker's tour a couple of weeks in Uruguay, Argentina, Mexico, along for the tour. Uh, MPs uh, Naisi Chen from Labour, Arna Neru Liavasa, Labour Ian McElvey, National and Ricardo uh, Menendez March, Greens, Uh, Nothing new on that. Speakers' tours are long running. They've been around for a a long time. In April, then, Speaker Trevor Mallard, along with Judith Collins, took a bunch of MPs abroad, costs a couple of hundred K. The question is, should they? What purpose do they serve for us? Or are they just a junket? So I want to go around the panel on this, and maybe, Peter, you first. You've been in politics. Yeah, I have. Uh, um, In the scheme of things, small change?
3: Well, I'll just say this. In 33 years, I went on one speaker's tour, and I think it comes down to what the itinerary is and who the people on the tour are. The one we went on, we went to uh, Korea, Indonesia, Malaysia and Singapore, and I can recall getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go to fish markets to see how the, you know, the fish market worked, to be there to meet ships coming in to unload New Zealand logs, etc. Uh, some of the subsequent itineraries I've seen have been more of a holiday than a, than a, than a working tour. And I think also um, some of them have been used as retirement junkets for people who are not standing again. Really, they should be learning experiences. They're a way of re- recording, returning some of the hospitality that, that other countries showed to New Zealand. Act. By, you know, the people ACT
0: be. Party, they refused to take part, as they did last time with Trev Mallard's mm. one, calling them a waste of taxpayer money in the current climate. Te Paate also not going. Um, uh, can I bring you in, Sarah?
2: So I had a look at, I like the intention of the kaupapa. You know, I looked at the presser that Matswa Adrian issued, and it is centred around diversity and inclusion. Um, so he's coming at it from looking at discussing indigenous language, customs and representation. So I think there's benefits in this world we live in. Where we are diverse and there's a phenomenal number of cohorts in the collective to actually go offshore and make those connections. And as part of that, I didn't realise that there are parliamentary friendship groups. There's eight mm. um, with different cohorts from different um different international countries so, so that's beneficial so, What's that got to do with me? Well that's got everything to do with the Speaker of the House having global perspective as well and bringing their back in as well as all those that are on the contingent going so you know we, can, we don't live in a one world view Anymore. No, fair we enough. Don't. I th- I yeah. I'm just that, that,
0: saying, <laughs> Ian McElvey, though, yeah. uh, he, he's re- he was, is he not retiring? He
3: is retiring, and, I th- and he's a nice chap, and I'm not being personally critical of no. him, but I do question it. I think also we've already had one Speaker's Tour this year. Uh, I think that this is too premature. The, the Speaker's Tour has been an annual event, not a six-monthly event, just every time the speaker changes.
0: But you're hearing it, you're talking about the kaupapa, um, yeah. Sarah, and you're saying uh, every... To a serves a functionality. Mm-hmm. There's a sort of, a, there's a central theme here. Especially different. coming from
2: indigenous perspective. And you have Tane Mari, you know, it, who is the speaker. So I can see what the uh, alignment is. It's not, a, it doesn't look to be a jolly. It looks to be principled. And there will be knowledge in Whanongatanga and Kotahitanga and Maturanga. Okay, so you, the, what are you saying? Speaker. You're saying it's
0: a case by case, Sarah, do you think? Case
2: by case, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. got to stand up on its own yeah. merits. You know, I agree too with what Matua Peter is saying, you know, in terms of what the schedule and what is the value and the merit. Mm. Mm.
0: The,
3: the speaker the speaker doesn't select the people who go on the tour with him, they're selected mm. by the party caucuses, and I think that's part of the problem. Mm. If, 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 for instance, you are taken the current situation. The Speaker, I don't know whether he did or not, but if he was to say, I need people who relate to what the purpose of this tour is coming with me, uh, that makes it a little more acceptable than it's, oh, it's your turn to go.
0: Very good. Very interesting. Thank you. Kia ora yeah. for that. Uh, yeah, Speaker's Tours. Um, junkets or they serve uh, for all of us? Your thoughts. Text us at uh, 2101. You're on the panel, RNZ National. It is time for headlines.